0: Hi, this is Rachel Collins, Principal Research Lead for Financial Management at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is part of a series on internal controls, where we wanted to answer some of the many recent and important questions that we've received on this key topic. I'm pleased to be joined by Chris Doxy, an author, speaker, and management consultant who is passionate about improving financial processes. Chris has extensive experience with transforming financial operations, implementing self-audit tools, and automating internal controls. So without further ado, here's the chat. Well hello everybody. We are talking today with our subject matter expert for our best practices project on new developments in internal controls about the topic of risk control matrices. Uh, These are questions that we've gotten from our members and customers, so thank you for submitting those to APQC, and thanks in advance to Chris for answering them. So, leading right into it, my first question for you, Chris, is what is a risk control matrix, or RCM, and how should these be organized?
1: Again, a a great, great question, because it's it's, – it's sort of a, it can be a quagmire, I guess, if if, um, we're using, you know, all different templates and they're not organized. And, you know, basically what we're doing with a risk and control matrix is that we're identifying the risk and we're identifying the control that goes, uh, that will mitigate that risk. And they should be organized by business process And, um, you know, again, not real general, like, okay, IT as a business process. It should be uh, defined by as, as detailed as you can possibly get. And what a traditional risk and control matrix actually does, it helps the organization identify, rank, and implement control measures to, again, mitigate those risks. And it can be a repository of risks that can pose a threat to the organization's And what we want to do is create a repository of controls. And in short, if we think about what is the structure, and it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter what structure you use. Um, You know, again, a lot of this can be automated and with today's tools, but the way to look at it is we want to come up with consistency. We want to use a consistent template by those business processes. We've talked about order to cash, we've talked about procure to pay and we'll get into more detail later. But what we wanna do is we wanna identify what are the controls, of course, what are the risks, who owns those controls? And again, that's the accountability discussion that we recently had. How are the controls rated and ranked? Uh, Are they uh, key controls, critical controls? And what we wanna do is use those risk and control matrices, almost for a testing approach. Now, a lot of the, that, again, can be automated. Uh, in the early days, particularly of SOX, we did a lot of this on spreadsheets and trying to figure out, all right, who had the latest and greatest RCM, uh, who owns this business process, uh, this this controls. Uh, and what we're doing is we are thinking about aligning uh, SOX 404 requirements to identify those objectives and evaluate, use the RCM to evaluate the design and operating effectiveness of the control and really use that RCM almost all the way through um, remediation. So there's a way to to, um, almost do a top-down approach and that's starting at a corporate level and figuring out, okay, how do I break this down? Thinking about when you scope SOCs, you look at what can go wrong in a specific business area and we're most likely gonna be looking at um, the payment process and um, you know, anything related to uh, financial reporting. And at the end of the day, uh, examples would be a chart that looks at the severity of an event happening and the controls that can again mitigate that risk. And you can use that control matrix to analyze any sort of uh, process flows and process improvements as well.
0: So Chris, I think you started to get into this um, in your your answer to the previous question, but what are some examples or any other um, information you'd offer in terms of examples of how a risk control matrix should be used by organizations?
1: Yeah, we we started with the organization and and looking at the the top level. And um, I've looked at some really good examples And so a corporate uh, risk and control matrix could be, all right, here are the processes that uh, are gonna be looked at. Here are the key controls and here are the risks that are gonna be mitigated. And one thing to think about when you're putting together or updating your RCM is that controls could be actually addressing several risks and you might not always have a one-to-one relationship. A risk and control matrix not only identifies the key controls and the, and the risks to be addressed, but also those activities. So the control would be um, manage cash, you know, very general, like manage cash efficiently. And the control activities could be, um, you know, cash forecasting, uh, bank reconciliations. And you know, it's kind of like a, a drill down, um, analyzing and continually peeling back that proverbial onion. and what we do is we, we get down to that org level, or that process level, and um, not only look at the process but the systems that support the process. That's where you're going to have things like segregation and system access, things to worry about. And you want to make sure that somebody, say in our example with uh, order to cash, can't set up a customer and apply cash. And um, say in HR, someone can't go in and set up an employee and then, um, you know, issue a pay increase for that employee. And what we do is we use a, a risk and control matrix, again, at the corporate level, at that business process level that we started um, looking at. And we can also use it for, you know, certainly SOX if we're aligning with our SOX requirements, or if we're using a SOX model for internal controls. In some cases, I've seen the RCM uh, mapped back to a COSO requirement, and um, looking at um, the control type. In some cases, what could be you know used in um, not only auditors, but if you're going through an SEE six or eighteen certification process, what, what's the control type? What's the significance? The frequency? Um, what's the frequency of, of um, testing the control, is it manual, is it systematic, the primary COSO conf, uh, component, and again, then, then the accountability piece, which is the owner of the control activity. So yeah, I mean, I think there are some great examples out there. I have seen a lot of kind of stoplight types of risk control matrices where we highlight, um, you know, whether it's red, uh, yellow, or green, and that would be uh, used to help set your prioritize. So yeah, many different flavors. And all I can recommend is, is ensure that there's consistency for using the templates at, at your companies.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Well, um, so we've talked at length here about the risk control matrices. What about any other tools or templates that organizations um, should consider if they're not already for their internal controls process?
1: Yeah and these, my recommendations actually tie back to the RCM and it's all about referencing and cross-referencing and you know, being able to upload documents maybe to an automated tool and having that you know, one-stop shopping if you will for your internal controls program goes a long way because we wanna be looking at adding value and not chasing documentation. And, and unfortunately that's what happens in many manual processes. But other tools and templates to think about are process narratives. And it's almost like a process narrative is taking a look at going beyond um, the detail. And the second tool that I would recommend is a flow chart and that, or process flow, whatever you'd like to call it. But the narrative can make sure that you're identifying those key controls. If you really take a, a step back and look at your process, and identify all those process steps. You can almost find those gaps where there needs to be either a compensating control if you don't have the proper segregation of duties, or there needs to be an additional check and balance. But having consistency for your process narrative and your flowchart goes a, your flowchart process goes a long way, and um, that's where you can almost do a cross-reference of your internal controls to each one uh, to make sure that you're identifying all your controls properly. And if we need to update um, any narratives or flows due to automation or any new solution with automating uh, cash applications or accounts payable, we wanna make sure that everything is, is documented. So your RCM, your process narrative and your flow charts all go hand-in-hand and should be one one uh, indiv- individual package per process component. All right. Terrific. Well,
0: thank you again so much, Chris, for your comments and your insights on this really important topic. Okay. Thank you. This is Rachel Collins. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. We encourage you to check out Chris Doxy's books, the new Accounts Payable Toolkit, the Controllers Toolkit, the Internal Controls Toolkit, and the Fast Close Toolkit. For more insights, please visit APQC.org to see our new research collection on new developments in internal controls. Thanks again and have a great rest of your day.